Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. As you can see again, we're outside while it's still warm and sunny and it's beautiful. We wanted to be out of the four walls of a building. We want to continue just to live in the reality that God is releasing His Spirit, not just for the church to consume in any way, but He's releasing His Spirit so that the world might know. And how does the world know? Because God releases His Spirit. So there's such a dynamic of life and love amongst the believers, amongst the church, that that is turned inside out. It's tipped inside out and it flows out there to everybody that we touch, near and far, in any way, shape or form. So Father, we thank you that we're not only empowered by your Spirit, but you've given us the Spirit of love being released in a fresh way. We thank you, Lord, we praise your name. Well, we've had some really good weeks recently in terms of the worship, in terms of what God's been saying and doing. And we wanna continue on that track and and you know when you're when you're preparing and praying and, and wanting to bring something to everybody uh, part of you wants to bring something that's really exciting and and really kind of motivational to mobilize everybody and all of that at the same time you want to make sure that whatever you bring has substance it has content it's not just trying to fire everybody up but actually there's got to be some some depth to what God's saying uh, so that we can live this thing out in the way that he wants us to. And as I've been praying this morning uh, and today, the last few days into this message, um, there's there's kind of like a, a mixture of the two, a bit of motivation and inspiring, but also maybe a little bit of depth and a little bit of challenge because God has called us to live as disciples, but he's also called us to make disciples. And there's two aspects of that that we're gonna look at this morning. In the light of last week, Pentecost, fresh release of his spirit. It was a powerful morning. I know we've had lots of feedback since last week saying how people met with God and it was really powerful and people got healed and as they were having communion and all kinds of stuff was happening. And, and it's brilliant when we have those moments, but also we then want to walk that out and live in the good of what God is releasing and doing. And as we get into the word this morning, I just believe it is right to share this right at the beginning, that some of you that are uh, watching, some of you that are connected in this morning, you feel like you've been going through a bit of a wilderness time, or, or it feels like you've been through quite a dry period spiritually in your life. In some ways, you feel a little bit disconnected to God. In some ways, you feel like you've lost your confidence in God. Uh, some, some of you feel like you're a bit disconnected to the church, to the body whether it's to the body of Christ or the local church. Maybe if you're local and this is what's going on in your life, maybe you feel a bit disconnected to who we are as a church at this time. Maybe there's various reasons. Maybe it's decisions you've made, choices you've made for whatever reason. Maybe it's the stuff of life that has just overcome or, or tried to push you down. And one of the things I believe God wants to say to you this, this morning is that he, he, he wants you to draw a line today in the new of what He is doing. He wants you to draw a line today and make a decision because sometimes in these moments our feelings can seem so strong 
and oppression and depression can come upon us to try and squash us. And it's in these moments where just that decision, Jesus, I wanna make a decision today. I don't wanna carry on where I am or in what I am doing and how I've been. And, and in one sense, then it might be that you need to say, right, I, I forgive first of all myself or I forgive those people, or I'm not gonna blame myself any longer, and I'm not gonna blame others for what's going on. Maybe you need to make that kind of decision this morning and just say, right, Jesus, I draw a line today. I wanna step over that line. I wanna forgive myself, I wanna forgive others. I wanna stop blaming myself and living in any regret. I wanna step over that line and not blame anybody else. I wanna step into you in a fresh way. And I believe as you make that response today. You can do that now during the message or maybe at the end of the message. As you do that, I believe God's going to come upon you afresh. I believe there's going to be a fresh grace in your life to step back into what God has done and wants to continue doing and also take you into in terms of promises that He's given you, words that He's given you, scriptures that you've lived by that maybe you've forgotten a little bit. And, and it's like God wants to lift off the ceiling that seems to be so low at this moment over you. And so some of that, but as you make a decision, there's going to be a lifting off, a pushing off of that this morning. And, and I believe God is saying that the, uh, the gifts and the call on your life are irrevocable. He never takes them away. And the enemy has sought to steal, kill and destroy from you. But you know, the great thing is the enemy cannot steal from you because you are in Christ. And everything that Christ has given you, who you are in Christ can never ever be stolen by the enemy. And we're not gonna give him any more ground in any way, shape or form. And so I wanna encourage you this morning, draw a line, step over it and say, right, Jesus, I'm gonna step into you in a fresh way. I'm gonna step into the call and the giftings in a fresh way in this new era of time, in this new season. And I wanna join back in with your body, with the people of God and go forward. Why? Because your life matters. Your life matters to God and it matters to other people. There's people that there are miracles waiting to happen through your life in other people's lives. So I just want to encourage you, stand back up in God and let's stand up in God together and move forward in what he wants to do. I believe he's saying, come out of a cocoon that has tried to hold you down and push you down. Come out of that cocoon as a new person in Christ and begin to fly once again, begin to soar once again in the things of God. So I want to encourage you, you're a blessing, you're part of what God is doing, step back into that in a full way and I believe there's going to be a fresh release of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's exciting what God is doing in these days. He's bringing people back to Him, He's bringing people to Him. We've got lots of people that are connecting into Alpha Online. Brilliant week last week, the first Monday. It's happening again tomorrow night. If there's others you want to invite, it's still not too late. Invite people. You never know. They might just say, I'd love to come to Alpha. I'd love to go online. Let's see what is going to happen. Ask the question and see what the answer is. And let's see what God's going to do in so many people's lives. Now, I, I, I love to be motivational. I love to get excited. But at the same time, we can't live on just inspiration. We can't just live on motivation. We've got to live on, on real foundational truths of what the Word of God says in our lives. And, and God's been speaking to us as He empowers us with His Holy Spirit. The early church and what the Holy Spirit produced and 
developed in the early believers was, was a life of devotion. And they were devoted to a number of things. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Where did they get that from? They got it from Jesus. Where did Jesus get his teaching from? The Father. So the early church was devoted to the to teachings of Jesus, the Father's voice to them and among them. They were devoted to the fellowship. What is that? The sharing of life. They were a people of love. So they were a people of faith because they were a people of the word, but they were a people of love and they shared their lives. They were a giving people, a generous people. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit was doing and working and producing in them. They were people who broke bread daily in their homes, the people who had communion every day. What is that? It's a life of power. And we know when we read the accounts of the early church, they were not only people of faith and love, but many miracles and breakthroughs and release was happening in so many people's lives at that time. And then the fourth thing they were devoted to was to prayer. They understood when they pray, we're being dependent on the Father. We're being dependent on the Holy Spirit. And as they're dependent on the Holy Spirit in prayer, what does that mean? It means they're submitting themselves to the Father's voice, submitting themselves to the will of the Father. Because when you pray, we're praying in line with the Father. When we pray in line with the Father, submit to Him, we then pray with and in authority, which then releases His power and His purpose in and through our lives. And so, what was the Holy Spirit doing? He was forming them as disciples. He was forming them to live the Jesus life. Now, there's a couple of aspects I just want to look at for a couple of minutes first this morning. And one is being a disciple and the other part is to make disciples. And there's, there's two Greek words. I don't want to get into this like too much, right? But there's two Greek words that describe these things, okay? The first word, to be a disciple, is the word methetes, okay? To be a disciple. And to be a disciple, that word, methetes, means to, to be a learner, to understand, to adhere to and to follow. It means a person who studies under the guidance of an instructor, a, a, an instructor, a teacher, or a master. Now, it's really interesting that this Greek word, the only place it is used is in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. So this kind of discipleship, okay, and this type of disciple is not talked about anywhere else like this in the Bible, but anywhere else outside the Bible. The only place a disciple is described like this is in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, okay? And what else does it mean? It means to be a disciple, disciple means to be more than just a pupil or a learner. It means a person who accepts the instruction given to them and makes it their rule or their way of conduct, their way of life to become like the master. Now, Often the disciples in, uh, with Jesus called him master, or they called him teacher, or they called him rabboni, rabbi, which means teacher or master. So when we, when we understand this word methetes, to be a disciple and what it means, it means this determines our thinking and it determines our lifestyle. The two go hand in hand. You can't have a certain type of thinking and then a different kind of lifestyle. The two go hand in hand. How you think is how you are and how you'll be and how you act. So that's being a disciple for a moment. There's, there's more to it, but let's just start here. 
The next thing is this, a word that is to make disciples. So we're called to be disciples, but we're also called to make disciples. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. The word teaching there is a very similar word to this word, teaching, instruct, disciple. Uh, show by your conduct how to live, teaching them to obey, to live out what I've taught you and what I've shown you. And then he says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So he doesn't send us to do something without being with us to accomplish it. So he sends us, he comes with us to enable us then to do what he's commanded us to do. What does it mean then to make disciples? The, the Greek word here, okay, is methetio, okay? Methetio means to make a disciple, to train a follower, to instruct a person in the ways of what they're following, okay? The meaning is much more than just an academic impartation of information, right? To make disciples mean, the, the word they use, methetio, it, it's, it's not just a suggestion, it's like a strong emphasis, okay, on the deep shaping of character and the cultivation of a worldview through close personal relationship that the disciple has with the teacher or the master or the instructor, the instructor. So what did Jesus do? So he had disciples, he had many disciples. He picked 12 to be his closest that he called apostles to invest in at another level. But he had 72 because he sent out the 72 on mission to go in twos to different villages and towns ahead of him to prepare the way. So we know he had more disciples then. He appeared after his resurrection to the 500, which meant he had at least 500 people that were following and being discipled by him, okay? So there was 12, there were 72, there were 500. There were many that were being impacted disciples. But why did he want the, the ones to be really close to him and, and that maybe that 72 around him in that way because he wanted to show, he wanted to demonstrate, he wanted them to be so near him in relationship that they not only heard what he said or caught what he taught, but they lived what he lived in that way. That was the kind of relationship. And so to make a disciple means to example in the context of a relationship what it's like beyond just the knowledge of information, but it's about knowing the one that you are want you want to be like, knowing the one you want to walk with, and then living like him in the way that he's called you to. Why is this so important? Because as God has released his spirit, it's very easy for us to just think, right, he's releasing his spirit, it's all gonna happen. Now, if that was the same uh, back then in Jesus' time as it is now, then Jesus would have never made disciples. He'd have just come to the earth, been the savior, and then sent his Holy Spirit to clear all the mess up. <laughs> but what did he do? He gave the great commission. And he said, right, in order to fulfill what I wanna do on the earth, I'm gonna empower those who believe in 
in me, those who want to be discipled by me, those who want to walk with me, those who want to live the Jesus life, I'm going to empower them with my spirit so they can live in the way that I want to and take my kingdom everywhere they go in my name, with my power, in my authority to bring change and transformation to individuals, to families, to households, to communities, to towns, villages, cities, nations, because that is the commission that we're being called into. So what does disciple, somebody who wants to be a disciple and make disciples, what, are, what is this, let's, let's just read this for a moment. The teacher, the disciple is a mentor who seeks, I love this, listen to this, who seeks to stamp his image on his disciples. Don't you love that? Stamp his image. What does the Bible say about us? We have been created in his image, in the image of God, okay, as people. But then when we are born again, when we give our lives to Jesus and Jesus comes into our life, okay, then what does he do? He, he forms us into the image of Christ. Oh, don't you love that? So, the, so what does Jesus do when he's discipling us, either directly or through others? He is, he is taking hold of who he is on the inside of us because we are now in Christ and Christ is in us. And he is forming his very nature and character on the inside of us so that we learn how to live in the fullness of who we already are. We're learning to live in the fullness of who he has already made us and live that out in a more life-giving way to us and to others. And so it says here, the teacher, the disciple, mentors uh, others and seeks to stamp his image, the image of Christ on his disciples and thereby enabling them to participate in his life. For the goal of discipleship is not simply to attain information. So it's not about learning loads of stuff, learning loads of info. It, we, can, we can know lots of things about God. We can know lots of things about Jesus. There are many, many people in the world who know a lot of things about God. But knowing about God is very different than knowing God. You can know a lot about the Queen or about pop stars, film stars, sports stars. You can know a lot about somebody by reading them. But if you've never met them, you don't know them. And so this whole thing about being a disciple or making disciples, firstly, is about discipling somebody into the reality of a knowing, real relationship with Jesus Christ. We know him, we know his voice, we know his heart, we know what he's saying and, and in that way. Then what does it say here? For the goal of discipleship is not simply attaining information, but the experience, the reality they're an experiential reality and joy of the fellowship, the intimacy, the relationship that we have with Jesus. And then a disciple in turn, as Jesus gives himself to us in this way, the disciple in turn seeks then to be like his master and partake in his life. Well, we only do that because Jesus has given himself to us, okay, and enable us to live in Him. Then it says, the values, the character, and the belief of the teacher are then embraced and reproduced in the follower. 
So what are we talking about? A disciple is somebody who's literally growing in who God has already made them. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love the Bible. Listen to these few verses. Romans 6, verses 6 to 8. We're not trying to be a disciple. We're not trying to be like Jesus, okay? What, we, what we're living in is a revelation of who He has made us and what it now means to live as a disciple. That's why He's given us His Holy Spirit because in and of ourselves, we cannot do this, but He's empowered us by His Spirit to enable us to be a disciple and then make disciples. Romans 6, verses six to eight. We know that our old sinful selves, our sinful nature was crucified put to death on the cross with Christ, so that sin, the power of sin, might lose its power in our lives. We, no we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Christ. So the power of sin has been broken over someone's life when they, when they surrender their life to Him. When somebody repents of their sin and surrenders their life to Him, the power of sin is broken and no longer has a hold. And then when we surrender our lives to Him, it then says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. He is a new creation. The old life, the old way of living, the old sinful nature has gone. The new life of Christ now has come. And so by faith, we take hold of it. So the Christian life is a life of faith. The Christian life is not a life of feelings. It's a life of faith. So a life of faith is based on what God says and what God says is based on who He is. So a life of faith and trust is based on the character and the nature of who Jesus is and who Jesus revealed the Father to be when He came to earth. Then Galatians 2 verse 20, what does that say? It says, my old self has now been crucified, put to death with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Wow. So I live in this earthly body, in this thing that's getting older, that's changing shape, whether we like it or not. Uh, this, uh, we he has come to live in our earthly bodies and by faith He lives in us, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Jesus loved you and I. How do we know that? He loved us because He went to the cross for us. Jesus wasn't going to die for us without loving us. That's the motivation of the heart of the Father. The nature of God is love. And because His nature is love, He must act in justice to restore a relationship of love that God wants with people. And so God's justice was to punish sin and He punished sin through Jesus enabling us to be forgiven so that we could then come into a relationship with Jesus and these scriptures being fulfilled in our lives. So why is this so exciting? Jesus brings us into Him, not only so that we can be born again and be at peace and have His life in us, 
but so that we can also take his life to others. And when we talk about a disciple, there's three parts, three aspects to being a disciple. We've heard that it's somebody that walks with the one who is discipling them, wants to emulate them, wants to be like them. We're not trying to be Christ-like in our own strength because he is, he is now living in us. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. So what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do is to enable us to live in who we are in Christ. And what does that mean as a disciple? How do we see that outworked in the same way as the early church did? Firstly, they were devoted to the word. They were people of faith. The first aspect, if I can put it that way, the first part to being a disciple is that we are growing spiritually. We are growing in our relationship with God, okay? How do we do that? We grow in our relationship with God through the word, by God speaking, being the foundation, the cornerstone of our life, that we don't base our lives on feelings or emotions or circumstances, but we base our lives on the Word, okay? That's the rock, the foundation. So we grow spiritually by reading the Word, hearing the Word, knowing what God says about who we are and, how, and who we are in relation to Him. But then also, we develop a relationship with God through worship. As we worship Him, as we encounter Him, as we come into His presence and we give to Him, acknowledge Him, He reveals who He is. We grow spiritually in that way, but also we grow spiritually in prayer by spending time with God, talking, listening, praying, exercising that spiritual muscle that we have called prayer. And, uh, and those three aspects, word, worship, and prayer, that's how we grow spiritually. That's one aspect of being a disciple. Many Christians think that, that when you say, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? They say, well, somebody who spends time with God, who worships God, who reads the Bible. And they talk about one aspect, okay? Uh, and, and that's one dimension, the spiritual that way, relationship with God. But then there's the second part, which is the relational side, okay? So we see the early church, they were devoted to the word, to a life of faith, relationship this way. But they were also devoted to the fellowship, the sharing of life. There was a dynamic of love amongst them. So the second aspect of being a disciple is growing in relationship, in fellowship, in the sharing of life with others. Very, very important. John, in uh, one of his uh, letters, says that, if we say that we love God, but we don't love our brother, then he says the love of God is not in us. He's pretty straight, John. Uh, he knew Jesus pretty well. And love must be expressed in, in a very real way. And, and so love this way with God must be expressed that way. And we see the Holy Spirit doing that in the early church. They were devoted to the Word, they were devoted to the Father, but also they were devoted to one another and they loved each other. They shared their life together, okay? Those two, there's two legs of the three. If you have a two-legged stool, what does it do? It falls over. There has to be a third leg to, to stand it up. And what's the third leg? So we've got spiritual, relational, and then we have our witness. We have that sharing of our life with others that do not know Jesus, okay? That's the third aspect, our witness. So those three aspects are the three things. 
spiritually, relationally, and our witness together. That's a healthy disciple. That's a disciple living in obedience to the Father. What's the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. What is a disciple? Somebody who not only knows God this way, but somebody who's working out the reality of a relationship with love, with others and sharing their lives, but also somebody who's sharing the gospel, sharing their life with Jesus, with people that don't know Jesus. That is a healthy disciple. And God wants us to be healthy in all three aspects of our life. So maybe you can do a, a little bit of, um, a bit of a kind of just check your own life for a moment and have a look and think, okay, how much do I spend this way? How much do I spend developing a relationship with others? How much do I spend witnessing to others? And see where all that lies. Have you got like 80% one way and 10% here and 10% there? Have you got 60, 30, 10? Have you got, what, what does it look like? Because God wants us to be healthy in all three. That is a disciple of Jesus living out his life in that way, okay? Discipleship will. And that uh, graphic that you can see on the screen shows Jesus right at the center. So at the center of our life is Jesus and everything flows from that. Relationship with the Father, relationship with others and relationship with the world in our, as our witness. Jesus right in the middle. You doing okay this morning? Now I just want to say a couple more things before we pray today. This is a bit more of a kind of grassroots getting down to brass tacks in terms of how we live our lives. Off the back of last week, fresh release of the Holy Spirit, the week before, like a prophetic kind of unload, if you like, that came about what's God doing and what's happening. And that's great to understand the big picture, but we all live a very day-to-day -day life where we make decisions all the time, this, that, and the other. And, and Jesus is Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, Mount of Beatitudes, that masterclass of teaching that we know in those three chapters, absolutely brilliant. Now we're gonna look at a couple of things in, in there for a moment because Jesus starts in a place that many of us probably wouldn't start necessarily. Uh, we heard a few weeks ago that he summed up, what does it mean to, what, to come into the kingdom, how do you do that? How do you live a blessed life in the kingdom? And the things that we looked at at the beginning of chapter five. But then he goes on from there and shows us what it means to be salt and light. But then what does that mean practically? What was the rest of the sermon about in essence? What he spoke about was the heart. The religious leaders of the day were more about the outward actions, just doing the religious activity, but not having the right heart on the inside. Jesus came and went below the waterline. He says, let's get into the nub of the issue. Let's get down to the heart of the matter. Let's get on the inside of who we are, okay? And Jesus began to speak about the heart. Now, I don't know about you guys, uh, but what, what, where would you start? In the rest of chapter five, he talks about anger, lust, division, revenge, and enemies. Wow, Jesus, hang on a minute. Is that the best place to start? Do you really want to start there? And, and Jesus, one of the things we love about Jesus, he always cuts to the chase. He didn't faff around on the edge, he went, cuts to the chase. So what does he start at? He says in, in uh, Matthew 5, verse 21, in my Bible, NIV, it, the, the little 
bit here is under murder, it says here. But he says here, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So Jesus said, forget the outward action for a minute. Let's go to the heart of the matter. Where does it all start? Because where it starts is going to lead to some outward action, okay? What does he then say? He then says, if you have an issue with your brother, because that's where it always starts, you've got an issue. Something goes on, a disagreement, an angst, turns into a bit of disgruntlement, turns into a bit of anger, a bit of rage, and then you act upon it in some way. What does Jesus say? He says, first go to your brother, to the person, and be reconciled. Don't let this thing grow and develop, okay? Then come and offer your gift, basically. Don't come and give any offerings to the Lord if you're out of sorts with other people. That's what Jesus is saying. So he comes to deal with the issue of the heart. Then where does he go after that? He begins to then go into this. He said, verse 27, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow, Jesus, you're going even deeper now. Uh, you're not just talking about getting upset with others, you're talking about how you even look at somebody, whether you do that with the right motivation or not. And Jesus is saying here, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. What does he then say? If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right eye cause, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Hell's not a popular word in 21st century society, let alone the church. Uh, but Jesus uses that word. What's he saying here? He's saying, hey guys, deal with sin severely. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey guys, uh, rather than holding on to something and affecting where you're going to be for eternity, deal with it severely. Cut that out of your life. That's what he's basically saying, okay? He's talking about the issues of the heart. Now, you might say, Clive, where are we going this morning? Where's the exciting, inspirational, motivational message? Well, we want to live as disciples of Jesus. We don't gauge our lives compared to how society or how the world or how the culture lives. Our lives are lived in relation to who Jesus is and who he has made us. He has made us holy. He has made us righteous. It's his holiness, his life, his righteousness in us. It's his nature and character that he's developing in us. What's he saying at this point then? He says, hey guys, this is all about the heart, all about the heart. Where does he go then? He then talks about divorce, he talks about division. It's really about covenant in that moment. He's talking about if you make covenant with somebody, then live and stay in covenant. What's covenant? It's heart. It's, I'll never ever leave you, never ever forsake. It's covenant relationship. Then he goes into oaths. If you, you know, he said, if you promise this, then keep to your promise. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. What's that? It's about integrity. He goes into about, then where does he go from there? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You, you know, you should have revenge, you should have revenge. And he's saying, no, he's saying, forgive, let go, let someone off. 
don't hold anything against them, don't take offense. Then he talks about in the last part of chapter five, loving your enemies. He's like, that, you know, those that come against you, those that are, you know, it's easy to love your mate who, and your friend or your family member who gives back to you. But what about loving those that can never give anything back or those that even hate you, why not love them? Wow, he, he's going, he dives straight into this message when he's talking to the crowds and the multitudes. You might be sitting there going, this is a pretty full-on message this morning, Clive. Can't just give it a little bit lighter, a little bit more shallow, all of that. We're just reading what the Bible says. But what's Jesus hitting on in the beginning of this message? Two key things that are going on in our culture and our society right now that are prevalent, that are affecting so many people's lives in different ways, okay? First is offence, unforgiveness, offence bitterness, offence. People take offence. My right. I have the right not to forgive. I have the right to be offended. I have the right to do this. I have the right to do that. There's loads of stuff to do with anger, rage, offence, bitterness going on. What's the other one? The other one is lust, is sexual sin, is desire. My desire. This is what I want. So we have two things that Jesus hits on. One is my right and the other one is my desire. And what do we do as disciples? As disciples, we're saying, Jesus, I surrender to you, I submit to you, and I let go of all of my rights. Therefore, when something happens, my initial response is, I wanna forgive. I'm not gonna take offense. I'm not gonna get upset. I'm not gonna get angry. I'm not gonna want revenge and all of that. I'm not gonna talk negatively or badly about people. I'm gonna forgive, I'm gonna let go. What's the other side of that that I want? When we submit and surrender our lives to Jesus, saying, Jesus, my life now is not about what I want. This is about what you want. So Father, I thank you that when I look at other people, I look at them with your eyes of love, not with a self-centered lust or greed or desire in any way, but I look with your eyes of love towards people. What does he finish his chapter with? Love. What's the last verse? It says, it says here, uh, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Now we're all sitting here going, Clive, you just preached an impossible message this morning. Exactly. Because the gospel is impossible to live without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to live as a disciple without the Holy Spirit. How do we forgive? With the Holy Spirit. How do we love? With the Holy Spirit. How do we bless? With the Holy Spirit. Our life going forward is going to be so, so dependent on the Holy Spirit and what he's working in us in terms of the nature and character of Christ and what he wants to work through us in terms of reaching and blessing others. So we're gonna take a few moments just to pray this morning. Last week there was a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had communion together. God was moving powerfully in our hearts and lives. What are we doing this morning? We're saying Jesus, I wanna make sure there's nothing going on in me where there's any sense of my rights or my wants. But we're saying, Jesus, I submit all of my rights and I wanna live what you want. I wanna surrender everything else because I live, I wanna live in the way that you want me to. So let's just take a moment to, to pray this morning. At the beginning I said, 
Some of you guys draw a line and step over it this morning. God's not, trying, God's not asking you to try and live as a disciple in your own strength. He's saying, come and just surrender everything afresh to me and allow my Holy Spirit to come upon you and enable you to be who I've called you to be. Step back in to me and my purposes that I have for you once again. Maybe for many of us, we're, again, it's like a, an ongoing consecration, isn't it? Because the Christian life is a daily taking up your cross, picking up your cross. It's a daily consecration. The enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy every day. The enemy comes to tempt you every day, many times a day. So what are we constantly doing? We're constantly walking in this, Jesus, I surrender in this moment. I consecrate myself afresh to you now. I don't want to be caught by this over there, caught by that over there. I don't want to be attracted by this, attracted by that. No, I want to be caught with who you are. So let's just take a moment to pray right now. Father, we thank you. Not only for the excitement of what you're doing, not only for the fresh release of your spirit in these days. We thank you for all that you're working in our lives, in our church, but also many, many churches all over the UK and around the world. Thank you that you're resetting, you're redefining, you're decluttering, you're repurposing. And Jesus, we want to live as disciples, not just with knowledge and information, but in a, the reality of what it means to know you. But we also want to make disciples, that people look at our lives, see the way we live and say, wow, I want to live a life like that. So just take a moment, if you know there is anything that we've just gone through this morning, any anger, revenge, or any sense of angst or negativity towards somebody else, just Father, I should forgive me. I let them go right now, I forgive them. Sometimes we think I've got a right to be angry. I've got a right to be annoyed. Don't they know? It's like we read earlier, it's no longer I that live because I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore the I, I have a right, I have a, just let that go right now because the only person it really affects is you. When you hold on to stuff, it affects you. It doesn't affect the other person, it affects you. So just forgive, release that person. Let the peace of God come. Maybe there's some other things, my, my desire, my wants. Maybe there's some things, Father, I thank you for your cleansing by your Spirit. Creating me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe that's a prayer for some of you. Maybe others, you're stepping over that line, you're drawing that line this morning, stepping over it saying, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. I'm gonna make a decision this morning. I'm gonna push through the oppression, depression, the heaviness, and I'm gonna step over that line this morning and say, Jesus, I give my life to you in a fresh way. Here it is. I thank you, come upon me. And I stand back up in you as the child of God you've called me to be, as the person in Christ you've called me to be. I thank you, I step back into that vibrant relationship with you once again. 
And maybe there's some of you that don't know Jesus and you're taking part in the meeting this morning and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus right now. You can do that. Jesus, I surrender everything. That's what it means to give your life to Jesus. It means to surrender everything. And you can do that in the same way as others have been praying this morning. Jesus, forgive me for anger, for hate, for bitterness, for going after what I want, my desires. Forgive me, Jesus, for the sin that has separated me from you. And I ask you for forgiveness. And Jesus, I give you my life now and I ask you to give me your life. I want a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray for people responding to you right now. I thank you come upon them by your spirit. I thank you for your healing power in people's emotions, minds, people physically as they, we thank you as we give ourselves to you afresh, then you give yourself to us. It says freely we've received, freely we give. So we give ourselves as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So Father, I thank you for that release of your spirit right now in every heart, in every life as we respond to you. I thank you, you meet us right where we are and you don't leave us there, but you take us on in you. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we exalt you and praise your name this morning. We thank you that we can live as disciples. We thank you that we can make disciples and we thank you you empower us by your Holy Spirit to enable us literally to example to others how to do that. We thank you that you burst the bubble of what it means to be a disciple or to make disciples. I don't know how to do that. It's simply just living the Jesus life and showing others how to do the same. How do you hear God's voice? How do you love other people? How do you share your faith with others? That's the Jesus life. That is a disciple of Jesus. So let's live as disciples today. Let's live as disciples this week. And let's see what God's going to do through our lives as we are a, a blessing to others. So have an awesome day today. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 